In My Teacher's Footsteps, read by Nick Scott. This is an account of a pilgrimage on foot by a group of three Buddhist monks and three lay men to the Great Kailash, the holy mountain on the far side of the Himalayas, which has been an ancient pilgrimage for Hindus and Buddhists. Each chapter was start with a brief intro like this, read by me, Sister Jing Ho, bringing the listener up to date with the journey. In this prologue, Nick explains how it all came about. In my teacher's footsteps, following Ajang Sumedo to Mankailash, prologue. In February of 2012, I climbed a mountain on Connemara's north coast. It was one of those days the west of Ireland can surprise you with in winter. Much of the time it's wet, with gales blowing in from the Atlantic, one after another, but then suddenly the skies clear to pale blue, the fabulous landscape shines crystal clear, the previously constant wind drops to nothing, and the temperature, with the Gulf Stream flowing just offshore, can be so mild you can stroll by the sea in your shirt sleeves. I was supposed to be on a solitary one-month retreat, but I gave up on meditation, packed some lunch, clambered over the fence behind the cottage, and started up the boggy, heathered slope. By midday I was standing on the top of the mountain, breathing heavily and stunned into silence by the view. The dark blue-green sea way beneath stretched to the northern horizon, still churning from the recent storm. Large waves crashed onto the shore below, and white spray shot up and over reefs and islets scattered over the sea's surface beyond. Connemara's mountain standing about me was stark against a cloudless sky. Milray, a vast buttress sticking out into the Atlantic to the north, with others in its lee. The twelve bends to the south, their flanks in camouflage patches of khaki, green and brown their tops glittering rocky quartz. Further to the south, the low winter sun reflected on each distant lake or tarn, giving the thousands of pools on Roundstone Bog the look of sequins. Beyond all this, both to the south and west, there was the sea again, with an intricate lattice coastline of bays, inlets and headlands, dotted with more islands. The largest inhabited islands were to the north, further out from the coast, sitting in sunshine, each with a delicate fringe of white breakers. Inish Boffin, Inish Turk, Clare, and in the distance, Akul, its mountains rising sharply out of the sea. Midway between them was Kaha, uninhabited now, but one of the mythical islands of early Celtic Christianity, where monastic communities once led austere lives. 
When I recovered from the climb, I turned to cross the long crest of Bin Huana, threading my way between the bogs, pools and crags that littered the rounded top. Everything was still, except for the occasional deep croak of a raven and the lonely piping of a small flock of golden plover. Before disturbed, they took off and wheeled out of sight. I was heading for Bin Freyek, the other spur of the same mountain. To reach it, I had to cross a slightly lower coal between the two spurs, where, turning back to look towards the sea, the view was so surprising it snatched my breath away. I was looking out across a small mountain tarn, crags to either side, the sky reflected in its surface, to the sea beyond. From this perspective, the two waters appeared one. I felt a sudden rush of joy at the surprise of this beauty, which was followed by an unbidden idea, a wild response to climbing the mountain. I should have one last crazy adventure in this life. I was approaching sixty, and until then I thought I'd given up on that kind of thing. What that adventure should be came immediately, fully formed. I would follow Ajahn Sumedho, my teacher, to Mount Kailash in Tibet. Fifteen years before, when Ajahn Sumedho was in his early sixties and preparing for his pilgrimage to Tibet, I'd led him on training walks here in Connemara. Now I decided I would organise my own pilgrimage. Like his, it would have to be part of a small group of pilgrims. Then I'd write a book both about his attempt to get there and us following in his footsteps. It would be a way of honouring him and what he'd done for me. And I could work in some stories that would be good to share from walking with him previously. The idea came complete, right down to the detail of not choosing who to go with, but simply inviting whoever was there at the end of a walk that Alex Hart was organising that summer along Ireland's west coast. Most would be people I'd been teaching, like Alex. They were young, keen and into adventure, and I was to join them for the last few days of that walk. I'd never actually wanted to go to Mount Kailash, even with Ajahn Sumedho. It's in the high-altitude desert of western Tibet, while I love nature. I'm not drawn at all to landscapes known only for spectacular rocky scenery. I also knew how hard it would be. At that altitude, breathing is so difficult. One can only shuffle along, and pilgrims suffer migraines, vomiting, and other aspects of altitude sickness. Every year, some of them die. So the idea of this journey wasn't followed by a resounding, yes. Instead, I was stunned as I realised what I'd have to do but it's been my practice for years to accept whatever life throws at me. As this journey had come so complete, and seemingly not from me, I felt I had to accept it too. I'd go the following year when I'd be, like Ajahn Sumedho, in my sixties, and I vowed to just follow the vision I'd just had, and not be distracted by personal preferences, and then I'd just see how it panned out. 
The initial step came soon afterwards, when I met Andrew Yates, who'd led Ajahn Samedo's pilgrimage party in 1998. Andrew was the architect for the Dharma Hall project I'd supervised over ten years at Chittos Buddhist Monastery in England, and we needed to resolve a difficulty with the completion of the cloisters. Our conversation when we met at the local station mainly centred on the building project, but I did manage to mention Mount Kailash in passing. His brief response was a surprise. He suddenly stopped walking along the platform and exclaimed, God, that trek, that was the hardest mountain trek I've ever led, by far, and the last, I never did another. That was the only time in my life I've ever come close to hitting someone. Now, Andrew is the gentlest of characters. He used to be the architect for the Finned Horn spiritual community, known for their otherworldliness. So it was very surprising to hear him, of all people, say, Things got so bad, I actually raised fist and pulled it back. I would have hit someone smack right in the face. Only just managed to stop myself. Thank God. And I thought, well, at least it should make a good book. And I look forward to finding out more. Chapter 1 will be posted on the Where Are You Going podcast next Saturday. It will be the first of 10 weekly chapters. It's just over an hour long, and each with maps and photos, which you can open as you listen. You can subscribe on the podcast homepage, and we will send you each chapter by email as it is posted. I hope you enjoy and are inspired. <laughs>